1: Ed Flash Ferencz. Keeping hope alive. The one-year anniversary of the strike at the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Now casino workers in Detroit voting to strike. And today on the show, the latest from the Columbus Central Ohio Building Trades. And it's our first Friday with Fred. Fred Redman, Secretary-Treasurer of the AFL-CIO. Welcome to the Friday, October 6th edition of America's Workforce, where we are available on at least five platforms. That includes Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and Pandora. We have two guests on the show today. We're going to start things off with uh, one of our longtime supporters, Dorsey Hager, who serves as Executive Secretary Treasurer of the Columbus and Central Ohio Building and Construction Trades Council. You could follow them on Twitter. Real simple, Build Central OH. And every time we have Dorsey on the show, Something new is being built. Here's the latest: Amazon Web Services plan to spend three and a half billion dollars, three and a half billion, to build five new data centers in a Columbus suburb. The agreement between Amazon and the city of New Albany, that's where the Intel plant's going to be located, marks the first step in the web hosting giant's 7.8 billion dollar plan to build more than two dozen data centers in central Ohio. It's the second largest single investment by a private sector company in the history of the state of Ohio. Can you believe that? We'll talk about the resurgence of labor unions, getting the trades all on board for these projects. And uh, they had an interesting visit here recently from Tom Perez, Tom, Tom, was a former labor secretary under President Obama, and uh, he is currently senior advisor to President Biden. He toured the Ironworkers Hall in Central Ohio. That would be Local 172. It was their training center. And Tom met with teachers and staff leading the tour. Get this. Charlie Straley. Charlie's a journeyman member of Local 172 the iron workers whose career began in the building futures program now we've talked about building futures many 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 times it's a uh, nationally recognized award-winning apprenticeship readiness program and it's funded by the uh, franklin county commissioners and they're they're popping up all around the uh, country charlie says building futures was a game changer he's now a building futures instructor he said, I truly have a career, not just a job. I thought it was just getting into the construction field, but it turned out to be much more. I'm part of a brotherhood. I help change other people's lives through public speaking, outreach and teaching. He sounds like a pretty good guest on the show. Don't you think? So uh, Dorsey's going to talk about that. And let's see, we, uh, we also have elections coming up next month. A lot of people don't pay attention to off-year elections. Obviously, next year we got a presidential election. We have Congress and all that. But uh, it's very important to focus on what's going on in your own community. All politics is local. Remember that line? So Dorsey is going to be our first guest. And then we're going to hear from Fred Redman, Secretary-Treasurer of the AFL-CIO. And uh, Fred is going to talk about... Tom Conway and he and Tom worked together for over 30 years at the United Steelworkers. Tom passed away about two weeks ago at the age of uh, 71. And there was a memorial service on Tuesday and boy, I tell you, they had a crowd there. Hundreds, hundreds of family, friends, fellow steelworkers. Among those in attendance, the US trade ambassador Catherine Ty. Leo Girard. Remember Leo? Leo uh retired and turned the reins over to Tom back in uh, 2019. And he was president for a long time. Um Fred Redmond, of course, was there. Liz Schuler. This is what Liz said. Millions of people's lives are better because of Tom Conway. It's so hard to lose Tom right now because of all the things he spent his life fighting for are coming to life. I promise we will keep going and we'll make sure his spirit is always alive in this movement. Roxanne Brown was there too. She's the uh, vice president, international steel And she reminded everyone that Tom always kept the membership at the forefront. He was the best kind of mentor and I'm going to miss him. Brown read a letter written by president Biden. Who wrote, Tom was one of the most effective and respected labor leaders in America. He was strong, uncommonly talented, and absolutely fearless. His integrity and inherent goodness always showed through. Fred's going to uh, reflect on his relationship. Like I said, it goes back decades. And he's going to talk about what a great negotiator. That's what I'm hearing from so many people. He was. A really good negotiator and uh, Fred's gonna talk about one instance of uh, of a deal that he was able to craft in addition to uh, talking about Tom Conway we're gonna talk about what the AFL CIO has posted on their website and I encourage you to check this out go to aflcio.org and it's important that you are educated about the people that are trying to run for office and I'm going right to the top of the list here, Donald Trump. And if you go to that website, there is a really, really good layout of Trump's what they call catastrophic and devastating anti-labor track record going back years. And uh, what the AFL-CIO is doing here, they are going to continue this crusade. They want unions across the country to work tirelessly, as they say, to expose Trump's record. And there's so much there. Assaults on union rights, hurting our pocketbooks, broken promises, corporate giveaways, anti-worker trade deals, threats to our safety and health, and lastly, failure to govern. Do check that out. Fred's going to comment on that right here on America's Workforce. Now, a brief look into the world of labor. This segment brought to you by Boyd Waterson Asset Management. You can find more at BoydWatterson.com. Hard to believe, but the uh, strike at the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette is now one year old. Well, as a result, the Pittsburgh Newspaper Guild held a rally this afternoon to mark the one-year anniversary of that strike. And that rally is right in front of the Post-Gazette offices on North Shore Drive in Pittsburgh. And they're getting a lot of support. Lisa Ann Goldsmith, who is a business rep for my union, that's SAG-AFTRA, that's the Ohio-Pittsburgh local, did a shout-out and a call-out saying they have been very supportive of us at all of our rallies and in their coverage during this summer strike. So let's return the favor and show up for them. If it's all possible, give them a bit of your time. We all have to stand together. And from what I understand, that rally turned out pretty well. It's so sad, too, because this newspaper, and we talked about this situation with John Schlois, who is the president of the National News Guild many times here on America's Workforce. It's very sad, too, because the family that uh, that owns the Post-Gazette is the Block brothers who are notorious, notorious for refusing to bargain a new contract. With the paper, and they've owned a couple of other newspapers. I believe the uh, Toledo Blade they had a problem there in years past. But uh, sadly, that strike is still continuing. One year later, the Detroit Casino Council has announced that members of the MGM Grand Detroit Hollywood at Greektown and Motor City Casinos have voted 99% yes to authorize a strike if necessary. If necessary, after the COVID shutdowns, Detroit casino workers sacrificed raises, shouldered heavier workloads so the industry could recover. You know, that went on with a lot of unions. Well, in September of 2020, the Casino Council agreed to a three-year contract extension with minimal wage increases to help their employers get back on their feet. Well, following the end of the COVID restrictions and the legalization of online gaming, Industry gaming revenues have now surpassed pre-pandemic levels to a new record high. However, no surprise here, the casino workers are getting left behind. In 2022, the Detroit casino industry generated $2.27 billion in gaming revenue. This is through in-person and online gaming, which, by the way, is the highest ever in the history of the industry. So far this year? Reports from January through August show that revenues were even higher than last year. So another record-breaking year. Well, the workers have been negotiating since early September with a focus on securing wage increases that could make Detroit's casino jobs family-sustaining jobs once again. Other issues include strengthening retirement and securing protections for workers impacted by the implementation of new technology. Got a comment here from Nina winston Nina is the president of Unite Here Local 24. That's just one of several unions that make up the Detroit Casino Council. Nina says workers are fed up in an economy that's broken. Costs keep going up, but when profits came back to the gaming industry, they didn't go into workers' pockets. Just like auto workers, Blue Cross Blue Shield staff, UPS workers, writers, hotel workers, well... Casino workers in Detroit are considering all options available to make sure one job in a Detroit casino is enough to raise a family on. And uh, this is the last day of the three-day strike by 75,000 Kaiser Permanente workers. They walked out at 6 a.m. on Wednesday. And there's very good reason the strike is concluding today because federal law requires that health care union members return to the job if no deal is reached by tomorrow. So hopefully they got the attention of Kaiser Permanente officials, who uh, we reported yesterday, they're offering them like 2 to 3% raises, which doesn't even make a dent in inflation. All right, quick break. When we come back, Dorsey Hager on behalf of the Columbus Central Ohio Building trades.
0: This is America's workforce. More shows available at awfradio.com.
2: It takes Layuna to build North America's infrastructure. That's org. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the Communication Workers of America. You
1: can find more at CWA-Union.org.
3: There is unity
0: and strength for workers. We are the USW. We are the
1: USW. The The United United Steelworkers.
3: The largest industrial union in North America.
0: We represent 850,000 members in In the the U.S., US, Canada, Canada, and the the Caribbean. Caribbean.
3: We work in metals,
0: rubber, chemicals, paper, oil refining, atomic energy, and the service sector. We are steelworkers, standing strong. And fighting for what's right.
1: America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the United Auto Workers. Find more at uaw.org. America's Workforce appreciates our sponsor, the Columbus Central Ohio Building and Construction Trades Council, who represents more than
4: 18,000 workers from 19 affiliated local unions and district councils.
1: America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the International Brotherhood of Teamsters, where you can find more at teamster.org.
0: A great union requires a reliable election system. Survey and Ballot Systems is a trusted election partner with more than 30 years of expertise in managing union elections. By partnering with SBS, your union can ensure it gets an auditable process and a high level of customer service. SBS is here to help you conduct your union vote securely, transparently, and with trust building always in mind. Visit surveyandballotsystems.com to learn
1: more. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the Ironworkers. You can find more at ironworkers.org.
0: Now, back to America's Workforce. Here's Ed Flash-Ferrens.
1: And remember, you can check us out on Facebook or follow us on Twitter or X. That would be AWF Union Podcast. By the way, this next segment brought to you in part by the Ohio Federation of Teachers. You can find more at oh.aft.org. Of course, they're located in Columbus, Ohio, and that's where our first guest is located. That would be Dorsey Hager, who heads the Columbus Central Ohio Building and Construction Trades Council. And Dorsey, well, we talked about all the work that's happening in Central Ohio. I'll get to that in a minute, but I'm really excited to hear his take on the former U.S. Labor Secretary visiting Central Ohio. My gosh, everybody is checking in on Central Ohio. We had uh, Sean McGarvey there back uh, some months ago checking out the Intel plant and and the data centers that are going up. And now uh, Tom Perez, who is now a senior advisor to President Biden, toured the Ironworkers Hall there. This would be local uh, 172. He checked out their training center. Dorsey, talk to me about this. This is pretty darn exciting. Go
4: ahead. Oh, yeah. Really exciting. It's good stuff. I mean... Tom Perez, uh, the former labor secretary, and he's currently senior advisor to President Joe Biden. So he was in town on Monday, September 17th. He spent the whole day, started the morning off with a tour at the Ironworkers 172 training center, which they just built a new training center. They broke ground on the second phase of that training center, which is going to double the space of that. But um, he wanted to see where everything happens. I mean, we um, they hosted. They hosted two cohorts of Building Futures last year. Uh, one of their graduates, who's Charles Straley, who has a great story. You're talking about a gentleman who fought substance abuse, uh, was previously incarcerated, saw a flyer on Building Futures, really didn't know what to think or what to expect, went through the program, totally embraced all the wraparound services, the training, the soft skills and everything, was placed in the ironworker's JATC. He's went through their apprenticeship program. He's turned out as a journeyman member. He's working on the seventy seventy one interchange, doing rebarb and iron and steel, uh, helping that huge infrastructure project here in the middle of downtown Columbus. And he's also given back. He's one of our instructors uh, for Building Futures. So he spoke, uh, the county commissioners, Kevin Boyce, Erica Crowley, John O'Grady spoke. Obviously, they fund the program. And um, Tom Perez spoke and then led a tour. It got incredible media coverage for days. It's still getting good media coverage and and outlets. Uh, There was an article in the Dispatch the other day about it, which was great. And it was just a great opportunity to be able to uh, share with Tom Perez, one, what we're doing here in Columbus and Central Ohio, to reach out to members of the underserved community, and get them on that direct path to the middle class, but also what the opportunities that have been created by the Biden administration are not only doing for union members and workers, but also to help expand the middle class and expand the middle class, you know, with diversity, with people of color and females and veterans and people that maybe were left behind by the previous economy and and, and they're brought up into the middle class as well through some of these training programs, you know. We talked off air a little bit, you know, the Biden administration is heavily involved and, uh, in, and people that are previously incarcerated, people of color, women, vets, giving them that shot at the at the middle class. And a lot of the policies that he's instituted in the CHIPS Act in the Inflation Reduction Act and some of the stuff that he's done with solar and infrastructure and tying Davis-Bake into federal funding is all wrapped around reaching out and giving people opportunities to get trained and get on these projects to where they can provide for themselves and their families and make a good living, and, uh, you know, at the end of their career, be able to retire with dignity and respect like we all should.
1: Well, I know a lot of things have been going, good things happening in uh, central Ohio, and I didn't realize that uh, Tom's visit, Tom Perez, that is, his uh, visit followed an announcement, this goes back in the spring in May, that central Ohio is one of five workforce hubs, which are areas around the country where, legislation signed in law by president Biden, the stuff that you mentioned, the rescue plan infrastructure, the chips act, all those good things have really jump-started various communities and uh, proof is I was talking about the Amazon data center. My God. I mean, what the second largest private investment in the history of the state of Ohio. I mean, you got it going on down there. It's, it's crazy. Now he did a, uh, he did a town hall meeting Perez did, How did that go? Was that pretty well attended? I
4: would assume it was. No, that was well attended. That was great. It was down at the county building where the Franklin County Commissioners hold their weekly uh, meetings, and it was hosted by Tom Perez, and two of the moderators were Mayor Andy Ginther and uh, County Commissioner Erica Crowley, who obviously huge proponents of organized labor, huge proponents of the working people. I mean, you know, I've talked about this before on your show. I've known the mayor since he got his start. 20 years ago on Columbus City School Board, you know, went on to city council, became president of council. And here in a few weeks, he's going to be re- reelected uh, to his third term as mayor, the first mayor in the history of the city of Columbus to use community benefit agreements to partner with unions to, again, make sure that we're creating these opportunities to get underserved people into our programs and get them on that direct path to the middle class. And then you have Erica Crowley, you know, who's always been a big proponent of union labor as well, and organized labor and working people. You know, she was constantly fighting when she was at the state house for the rights of workers she's continued that um advocation as she's moved on to be one of our three county commissioners which you know all three of them are incredibly pro-labor incredibly supportive of our building futures program and everything that we're trying to do here and some of the stats that they talked about on the community town hall that since 2017 building futures which you know is our nationally recognized award-winning pre-apprenticeship training program, and then also Driving Futures, which is a program that we reach out to members of the underserved community, help them get their CDL license so they can go on to get a lucrative career in the trucking industry, and and we work with the Teamsters to get a lot of those folks placed. But, um, you know, we've had over 400 people come through these programs, get placed directly into the middle class, and the county with their wraparound services, you know, the training, the partnership piece that we provide and and everything, you know, they've invested over $19 million into these programs. And it's truly paid dividends because some of the success stories have surely been life-changing. And that's what they talked about when they were on that panel.
1: Well, like this guy, Charlie Straley. I mean, I didn't realize that he was formerly incarcerated. Talk about a turnaround here. And, and he's pretty much saying that building futures... Changed his life. You got to get this guy on the show. Can you uh, can you link us up with uh, with him?
4: We can definitely we can definitely do that. I mean, he's uh, he's done a great job. He's done some media interviews with local TV stations here. He's been on uh, on public radio and stuff, and uh, and he and he does have a great story to tell. And he embraces being an advocate. I mean, he's a guy that not only does he teach and give back to this program and speak to the students and mentor some of the students and let them know that these possibilities are real, but he also goes to some of these you know, uh, non-profits, these these areas around the city where where people are dealing with substance abuse, where people are dealing with incarceration, and he lets them know that there is a path and there is programs in place, whether it's our program, whether it's uh, Driving Futures, whether it's some of the programs that are... um, nonprofit uh, Creating Central Ohio Futures has to help people get on the maintenance with the city or the county or get on manufacturing jobs at Anheuser or, or any of these other places. He lets them know that there is these possibilities. And you, know, you talked about at the beginning of this interview, we are in a unique and fortunate time here in Columbus and Central Ohio. And I truly believe that any citizen, no matter their racial makeup, their color, their background, no matter what, if they're willing to get a little bit of training and they're willing to invest some time and energy, we can find them a good union job, no matter what they're interested in, in Columbus and Central Ohio, that's going to pay them a good, livable, middle-class wage and provide them with good benefits.
1: And for a very long time. Let's get an update here on some of these projects. I want to touch on this uh, Amazon Web Services, too. I'm not a fan of what Amazon does as far as treatment of their workers but when it comes to building obviously if they're going union I support them doing that but Intel and I know that's that's all that's all union where are we with the uh, the Intel plant down there Dorsey so the Intel plant
4: starting to you know full steam ahead they just completed their second batch plant on the property and uh, both those batch plants are going to produce the 460 thousand square yards of concrete needed to form that first phase, those first two fabs that make up that $20 billion chip plant. So right now we've got a lot of operating engineers, we've got a lot of laborers, we've got a lot of cement masons, we've got a lot of Teamsters out there and they're, Slinging, slinging concrete pretty much right now. Cranes are going up, so we're going to start the vertical construction here pretty soon. Uh, a lot of the site work is completed, and now we're starting to get electricians and plumbers and pipe fitters out there to bring in a lot of the mechanicals and a lot of the underground um, and then around the plant, it's amazing that the infrastructure work that's taking place as they're adding roads, adding bridges, widening roads, making bridges bigger uh, for all that traffic and all those people that are going to be coming in there. But uh, we hope that this job ramps up probably after the winter, maybe March. I'd like to see us get around 2,500 people, probably quarter one or quarter two of 2024 uh, until we ramp up to that seven or 8,000 uh Tradespeople number, so it's gonna be interesting keeping tabs on that. The Amazon project you talked about, Amazon uh, purchased a bunch of land out in New Albany and Licking County. They're looking at putting in six data centers at around $3.7 billion, adding some other support buildings on that New Albany campus and also the Hilliard campus. We're looking at probably a total of about 40 buildings with a total cost of about $7.9 billion, so that's a nice investment. We're still working with Google um, to uh, to help them um, as they prepare to build their fourth campus here in Columbus and Central Ohio as they create a giant footprint right alongside Amazon and right alongside uh, Intel. And then the next phase of the Facebook campus is getting ready to take off, and that looks like it's going to break ground. First of November, dollar figures are kind of hush-hush right now, but we could easily have... 800, 900, maybe as many as 1,200 tradespeople out on that project for the next two and a half, three years as well. So there's a lot of opportunities in Columbus and Central Highland. We're just talking about the, uh, you know, these are the ink jobs. That's what I call these. These are the ink jobs. These are the jobs you read about in Cleveland.com and Columbus Dispatch and USA Today. There's so many other projects out there that are 100, 150, 500 million, 800, 850 million, that we're really pressing on our contractors to make sure that they get out, they get involved in the market, and and they really uh, get those jobs as well because there's a lot of that stuff going on as well.
1: So the billion-dollar jobs, you get a lot of the press, but there's a lot of million-dollar jobs as well going on in Central Ohio. This is crazy. ColumbusConstruction.org is a website for the Columbus Central Ohio Building and Construction Trades Council. We'll continue with Dorsey. We'll talk about the importance of municipal elections, which are right around the corner. Later in the show, it's our first Friday with Fred. Fred Redman, Secretary-Treasurer of the AFL-CIO. Back in a few minutes.
0: This is America's Workforce.
2: It takes Layuna to power North America with affordable energy. The men and women of Layuna, the Laborers International Union of North America, have the skills needed to build and maintain oil, natural gas, nuclear, solar and wind projects that are shaping America's energy future. From new energy tech to retrofitted facilities, LIUNA members do it all. Find out what it takes to be powered by LIUNA at LIUNA.org. That's LIUNA.org.
1: The Ironworkers Great Lakes District Council, consisting of eight ironworker local unions in West Virginia, Pennsylvania, Ohio, and Michigan. We build the skylines and bridges along the Great Lakes. With more work than ever before, the Great Lakes District Council is actively searching out the next great ironworker whether it's building the next intel plant or constructing a bridge to safely connect our great cities along the lake. So join the Ironworkers Great Lakes District Council today. Find out how and learn more about the council by visiting IWDistrictCouncil.com. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the International Federation of Professional and Technical Engineers. You can find more at ifpte.org. America's Workforce Radio is sponsored in part by the International Union of Painters and Allied Trades, District Council 6, representing painters, glazers, drywall finishers, and sign and display industry workers. They remind you that belonging to a union is your right as an American. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the United Steelworkers. You can find more at usw.org.
0: Now, back to Ed Flash Ferris with America's Workforce.
1: And remember, you can check us out on at least five platforms. That includes Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and Pandora. And when you get an opportunity, just sign up and receive our shows on a regular basis and give us a rating. We always appreciate those five-star ratings. So, please keep them coming. By the way, this next segment brought to you in part... By the United Labor Agency, ULAgency.org is their website. Let's go back to Central Ohio. Rejoin Dorsey Hager, Executive Secretary Treasurer of the Columbus Central Ohio Building and Construction Trades Council. Dorsey, I know you want to say a few things about uh, the municipal off-year elections. A lot of people don't pay attention to these. Obviously, you got the big elections with presidential candidates and congressional representatives and senators. But uh, talk to me about Central Ohio. And, of course, we've got a couple of issues, statewide issues on the ballot. I'm going to let you pick it up from there. Go ahead, brother.
4: Yeah, so we're obviously doing a lot to make sure that we get our members registered, make sure that they're voting. Obviously, we implore on a lot of them to early vote because, you know, in the construction industry, as busy as we are right now, you know, Election Day can be tough to vote on Election Day. But um, uh, we're always – Uh, getting that message out that obviously everyone knows who their president is. A lot of people know who their congressperson is. A lot of people know who their two U.S. senators is. But then when you start talking about municipal elections and who's on the school board and who, who some of the judges are and why that's important, I don't think they understand that. And while federal elections and national elections are obviously important, the people that have the most control over your day-to-day life are your school board members—the ones that are going to institute policies to educate your kids, but also improve your community—and then also your judges, because they have the rights to take away your freedom. They have the rights to do things to you that the, that a lot of people, you know, don't have. So it's very important that you get involved and you educate yourself. And then also your city council, your mayoral—and you know, we spoke about it earlier in the segment. But Andy Ginther's going to get reelected here in a couple of weeks. I'm confident of that. He's doing a great job down city of columbus there's a lot that he's working on with housing and crime and i think he's moving columbus in a positive direction and continues to move us and it's uh, definitely reflective in all the development and all the uh, growth that's happening here rob dorns and his slate On city council, Rob Dorns is an IBW member. He's currently the attorney for ACT Ohio. He's going to get reelected to city council, which is great. And Rob serves in the second leadership on city council. The leader of city council, the uh, council president is Shannon Harden, who's a tremendous friend of labor. Just had lunch with him yesterday to catch up on the policy. And he's the brother of an IBW member, Christian Harden, who belongs to 683. So Shannon understands the importance of union labor. And then our own attorney here at the Columbus and Central Ohio Building Trade, Sarah Ingalls decided to get involved and get active. She's very um, active in everything she does and defending unions' rights and negotiating contracts and helping us here at the Columbus Building Trades. But also, she's very active in workforce development programs with CCOHF and Building Futures and Driving Futures. And she's running for school board, and I have all confidence that she's going to get elected and become a member of the Columbus City School Board, which is one of the largest school districts in the state of Ohio with 45,000 students. And, you know, we've got to continue to educate these kids uh, give them the tools necessary so that they're employable when they graduate from high school for all these job demands that we're having right now with everything that we talked about in the last segment. And also, our, we have a school board levy on the ballot um, for Columbus City Schools. Uh, it's a $100 million bond package. It's going to help um, a little bit with payroll and salaries and benefits, where a lot of the um, the custodians, the bus drivers, are obviously union members. We don't want to see cutbacks there. We actually need to expand as, to growing, as the uh, as the uh, district is growing, and then there's a lot of money they want to put back into the buildings to uh, bring buildings up to code, whether it's new roofs or new gym floors or new mechanical systems for heating and air conditioning. So we've endorsed that levy. We're very supportive. We've got a huge canvas, labor canvas that we're going to do. Uh, here in a couple of weeks that we're going to launch in the IBW 683, it's going to be led by Mayor Ginter, Sarah Ingalls, Rob Dorn, Shannon Harden, in partnership with the local Central Labor Council. We're going to get out and knock on doors and let our members know how important these issues here. Locally, the school board, city council, judges, you know, there's a great friend of mine that I was at an event last night. He's going to get elected judge, Zach Gwynn. Along with Jared Skinner and Andrea Peoples, who are going to get reelected, and all three of them uh, are going to do a great job on the bench, and we're really happy to support them as well. So it's big time here, municipal election-wise. I know a lot of people kind of take a pass on the by years, but these are important races.
1: What about some of the uh, statewide issues? There's issue one and two. Have the uh, Central Ohio Building Trades have you taken any positions on those issues?
4: We haven't taken a position on Issue 1 or 2. Obviously, we were heavy involved on No on Issue 1, special election on August 8th. You know, personally, I believe you know that uh, the decisions made on, on your health, whether you or someone in your family, shouldn't be made by the government. Those are personal decisions between you and your physician uh, with the support of your family. So we were heavily involved and, and No on Issue 1 uh, to kind of keep government out of that, but also because of some of the restrictions that Issue 1 would have created. Mm-hmm. um, you know, for collective bargaining and stuff and, and, and a lot of the things and with the bonding and stuff. So we were glad that we defeated that. I personally I'm gonna get out and I'm gonna support uh you know yes on issue one. I think it's an important initiative and I think it's incredibly important as building trades uh continue to diversify and to grow our ranks, especially with women and people of color. And, you know, if we want women to come and, and join our team and, um, and and belong to the building trades, I think that we need to support them as well. So personally, I'm behind this, and I'm going to get out and leave my support on it. And I'm encouraging all my friends, family members uh, to vote yes on issue one.
1: What about turnout? You know, off your elections obviously you don't generate the turnout in, in like, presidential years. How, how does that
4: look for at least in your area in central Ohio, Dorsey. So I think in Columbus and central Ohio, I think off year election turnouts right around nine to 12%, which is incredibly low, obviously for a presidential year, it's in the sixties. Um, I think that we're going to see turnout around 24, 25%. I think there's a lot of people motivated to vote. Uh, all nine city council members are on the ballot. So those races are incredibly important. Um, I think that that's going to spur a lot of turnout along with the mayoral race. And then the school levy, you know, you have people on both sides of the school levy issue and I respect everybody's opinion and where they stand uh, on the school levy. Me personally, I've been one of those guys that whether it's a library levy or a school levy, I very rarely even dig too deep into it. I usually go to the ballot. I, I always go to the ballot box and I always vote yes to pass those uh, issues because I believe that we've constantly got to fund our schools. We've got to fund our libraries and we've got to give people um uh, the uh, A level platform to pull themselves out and, uh, and to, to get into the middle class. And, and the way we do that is through education and training and stuff. So I always vote yes on those. But I think turnout here is going to be higher in Columbus Central Ohio than it has in the past in municipal election years.
1: All right. We'll leave it on that note. Dorsey Hager, Executive Secretary Treasurer of the Columbus Central Ohio Building and Construction Trades Council, ColumbusConstruction.org. You could follow him on Twitter. How appropriate. Build Central O-H. You take care, my brother. We'll talk to you in a month, okay?
4: All right. Thank you so much, Flash. Appreciate it. Uh- and have a great weekend.
1: You got it. All right. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to go to the city of Pittsburgh. Fred Redmond, Secretary-Treasurer of the AFL-CIO, will be joining us back in a few minutes.
0: You're listening to America's
2: Workforce
0: with Ed Flash Ferrans.
2: That's L-I-U-N-A dot org.
1: Dot O-R-G. Paid for by the American Federation of Government Employees, AFL-CIO. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the Heat and Frost Insulators Labor Management Cooperative Trust. Find out more at insulators.org forward slash LMCT.
2: America's Workforce is sponsored in part by Boyd-Waterson Asset Management, LLC. Find out more about our investment solutions tailored to meet the needs of Taft-Hartley funds at boydwaterson.com.
1: America's Workforce is presented by the Labor's International Union of North America. Feel the power right now at liuna.org.
0: Now, back to America's Workforce. Here's Ed Flash
1: Ferrens. And remember, you can check us out on Facebook or follow us on Twitter or X, whatever you prefer. That would be AWF Union Podcast. All right, let's go to line number two right now. And welcome one of our long-time regulars, Fred Redman, Secretary-Treasurer of the AFL-CIO, AFLCIO.org. Fred is still in Pittsburgh. There were services this week for the late Tom Conway, who served for the past four years as president of the United Steelworkers. And so many of us, Fred included, were so shocked on his sudden passing at the uh, end of last month. Fred Redman it probably even hasn't sunk in yet, has it?
3: Well, uh, first of all, it's good to be with you, Flash. No, I haven't uh, really sucked yet. I've been a uh, friend of Tom Conway's for the last 32 years. We uh, came up, uh, staff representatives, still workers together. I'm from Chicago. He's from Northwest Indiana, and uh, you know he was one of my dear friends. So it's been a shock. It was a uh, you know, we had a good memorial service on Tuesday where I think we really, really reflected upon our relationships with Tom and how great he was for our union. But now it's been a hard, uh, it's been a hard week since uh, we heard that our friend had made his transition.
1: You know, I've been hearing from a lot of people. In fact, we did on, on Tuesday. You might want to check yeah. this out. I, I know you're a busy guy, but if you ever go to, Get an opportunity to go to awfpodcast.com. Okay. We, uh, we pulled about uh, five or six of the segments that I did with Tom over the last three, three and a half years.
3: Oh, yeah, I got to check that out, yeah.
1: Yeah, we talked about infrastructure. We talked about labor history reflected in one show about the Homestead strike back in the yeah. uh, 1890s. Also talked about Biden, and, and also it was, uh, it was Tom. That introduced yep. you as secretary treasurer of the AFL-CIO convention. What a, what a proud moment that had to be for you, huh?
3: Well, it was to have Tom uh, nominate me and introduce me at the AFL-CIO was one of my most proudest moments. And let me just say this, besides being a very, very effective contract negotiator, besides Tom being a very strong voice when it comes to workers' rights and workers' justice. You know, Tom was, as you reflected on your show with some of the segments you said that you replayed, you know, Tom was also a very uh, intellectual when it comes to trade policy, when it comes to the future of work, you know, when it comes to clean energy. Uh, I mean, Tom really dug into the issues that really affect working people, you know. He was a nuts and bolts type guy Mm who really articulated and dove in the issues. And, uh, you know, he was the type of guy, Flash, that, uh, you know, if you give Tom an issue uh, that affects working people, I mean, he dives in all segments of the issues and was able to converse and was able to articulate how these issues affect working people. I'm talking about to politicians, to... To professors, to corporate executives, he was just a great all-around guy, and his passing was a loss not just to the steelworkers, Julia, but to the entire labor movement.
1: I was reading some comments from uh, Dave McCall, who is uh, taking over right now. Yeah, he said, uh, "Tom was never afraid of a fight, and thanks to his ingenuity and determination, generations of workers can enjoy better jobs and brighter futures." Amen to that. You that's, know what.
3: That's exactly all, that's exactly our point. Dave is
1: exactly yeah. right. You know, what I read on the show uh, was an op-ed. He was a really good writer, very good yeah. writer. And he would write columns, op-eds we call that, that would be sent yeah. to various newspapers. And one was the power of the first contract. And I want to tell you, those of you listening right now, you know there's a lot of organizing going on. But unfortunately when they vote for the union, well, that is the first step. We're very proud of that moment, but you got to get that first contract. You got to get
3: that first contract. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I was able to tell a story flash at the memorial service. You know, one of my first interactions with Tom was I just went on as a young staff at district seven, which is, uh, Illinois Indiana. And I Uh was told by the director that I had to report to this bargaining class. And I walked in this bargaining class. And there was Tom Conway standing at the front of the class. He was the instructor. This guy had no pass outs. He had no charts. He had no graphs. He had no film. Okay. He had no books. All right. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, what kind of damn class is this? You know, <laughs> and what it was, was a lecture from Tom Conway on how to get the deal. And I tell you what, Flash, it really, really set me on the path as a uh, international staff representative of the steelworkers deal Union, because for an hour and a half, he talked about how to leverage companies, how to hit their pressure points. He talked about costing our contracts. And we, it was about 12 staff reps in that room, and we all left that room knowing that this is our guy. This is mm-hmm. the go-to guy that we can depend on when we get difficult bargaining. So, now, Tom Conway will be missed. We're fortunate enough to have Dave McCall, who was a vice president of Steelworkers Union, to step in. Uh, Dave and Tom come from the same facility. They both come from Bethlehem Steel. They were good friends. And uh, Dave is also a strong trade unionist. So the union is a, is a good hands, but uh, we got to always remember the life of Tom Conway because he made such a difference for working people. Absolutely,
1: absolutely. Yeah, it's one thing about the steelworkers, and you know this—you know this very well, Fred Redmond. They've got a deep bench, a very deep bench.
3: Absolutely, absolutely. We got a very deep bench. We're bringing up some strong young activists, and the union has a bright future. And uh, because of people like Tom Conway and Leo Gerard, you know, the steelworkers union has invested a lot of resources in making sure that you know, this year, continues through the ages and, you know, we're bringing up leaders. We have good leaders of all races. We got good, strong female leaders and, um, you know, the Steelworkers Union is as strong as ever.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. You want to see diversity. Check out the the Steelworkers Union. No doubt about that. No doubt. All right. I want to switch gears here. I want to talk uh, politics a little bit and, you know, Trump is leading in the polls on the GOP side and I have to compliment The team over there at the AFL CIO and what you posted. Those of you listening, you got to check this out. Go to aflcio.org, and right on the right side of the page, there's a posting about Donald Trump's catastrophic and devastating anti-labor track record. And I'll tell you, it's important that you share this information because, well, we see how Trump is trying to sneak in and you know cozy up to the auto workers and workers in general, he slams union leadership, but he claims he's a worker-friendly president, and I think we all know better on that. But um, I, I want to talk to you a little bit about that because it's important to get this message out. And, Fred, you know this. There's there's a lot of union brothers and sisters that are following Trump. I don't know if it's the celebrity or whatever. There's a certain you know charisma yeah. about him, and uh, I just wonder if you could speak
3: to that right now. Go ahead. Well, first of all, he lies. You know, he's a he's probably the greatest liar that we've ever had, you know, in any political position in this country. Look, Donald Trump has never been a friend of workers. You know, the audacity of him showing up to speak to union workers at a non-union facility in Detroit was almost laughable. But, you know, you know, here's the facts. First of all, he's a guy who stifled workers uh, that worked in, on, on his uh, casinos at, did building and construction trades work for him. He did not pay them. in a lot of cases. Uh, he have a number of Department of Labor charges that has been filed against him over the years. He passed legislation while he was uh, in the White House to not only weaken the Department of Labor, but he also, you know, cut the budget. You know, and tried his best to defund the Department of Labor, so they couldn't do the work. You know, on behalf of workers throughout this country. So look, Donald Trump is not a friend of working people. He's a fraud, and uh, you know, it's it's almost hysterical. I, I was telling somebody this morning, Clash, that I think we're closest that I've, I've ever seen in my lifetime of being a banana republic without a Speaker of the House. Okay. Mm-hmm. But yeah. the, the even imagine that Donald Trump is a friend of working people, you know, it would be laughable if it wasn't as, if it wasn't that scary. But let me just say this. What we're doing at the AFL-CIO is we're setting the record straight. Uh, we're getting ready to accelerate our, uh, you know, reports and our background on Donald Trump. We're getting ready to increase our growl game, to go out and talk to members throughout this country So they could really, really start connecting the dots here because what we expect to see as we see this fight for the Speaker of the House, we expect to see Trump's influence, okay, trying to shape who's the next Speaker going to be. And, uh, you know, that's not going to be a person that's going to be friendly to working people. So we need to be clear, and that's the purpose of the FLCL's website is to set the record clear we're going to be communicating that message throughout the country to work with families.
1: Those of you listening, again, I urge you, go to the national website, aflcio.org. They got it all broken down. I printed it out, and uh, mm-hmm. I got big font here on my uh, copy, and uh, right. it's, it's like four pages long. Assaults on union rights, even talking about stripping away protections for rank-and-file workers at the Department of Veterans. Affairs. And
3: also uh stripping away workers' protection, safety and health. Yeah. You know, yeah. the amount of defunding that he did to OSHA and you know, so you know, it goes on and on, uh, uh Flash and thanks for promoting that.
1: Yeah. And I read too on that post that uh, this well, to your point, this is just the beginning. In the coming weeks and months, the AFL CIO and unions across the country will work tirelessly to expose Trump's record. It's a, It's very important that people know that because uh, he's slick. He is very slick. He's very good at what he does, yeah. and he claims to be a friend of workers, but he really is not. He really is not. So it's important to get that message out of there. You, you touched on the, the speakership in the House of Representatives. Yeah. Fred, in your lifetime, did you ever think that we would be going through something like this?
3: I've, I've never. I don't think none of us could either fathom that we would be living at a time when the uh, when the party that's in power of the Congress that has the most numbers can even agree amongst themselves on the speaker. And you know the irony of this is we got like 38, 39 more days. The, is the deadline for the uh, budget to run out. And what's at stake? See, we have to really, really talk to people about what's at stake, okay, if the government shuts down. You know, we, we're talking about, you know, uh, WIC programs, you know, for for poor children. We're talking about, you know, nutrition programs. We're talking about medical programs. We're talking about daycare. You know, so many people are going to be hurt, okay, if this government were to shut down. That's one piece. The other piece is we got to expose this Republican budget. You know, we really, really have to dive into this budget and make sure that people understand exactly what these Republicans are proposing in their fiscal budget going forward. I mean, this is some dangerous stuff that's intended to hurt working class families throughout this country and going to literally do damage to underserved communities, the children. And to the school system, the refunding is it. in their budget. Okay, they're going yeah. to reduce funding to public education by sixty percent. Now, I mean, you know, you're talking about an attack on the public school system. You're talking about an attack on elderly with the reduction of, you know, uh, assistance to Medicaid and Medicare. So we're in for some rough times. And uh, what we're doing at the AFL-CIO, we're wrapping up the message. We want to talk about What we really want to talk about is putting a human face on the people who's going to be affected with a budget shutdown. This isn't normal stuff. We've been through three of them that I recall, okay? And they always Mm -hmm. have a human toll. They're coupled with the budget that they want to pass. This is mean. This is cruel. And this is stuff that's going to affect the American people. So, you know, we, we're gearing up for a fight. Uh, we don't know what the Republic is going to do. You know, they got on tier one of crazy. You got Scalise and then on tier two of crazy, you got Jordan. So, you know, you can flip a coin. You could take either one. Neither one means it means any good, means any good will for working people throughout this country. So, you know, stay tuned. We'll see what emerges with this clown show. And, uh, you know, hopefully we could find a way to get this country back on track.
1: Boy, you hit it right on the head. It is a clown show. No doubt about clown that. Clown show. That's right. Well, well, my brother, I'm going to let you go. I know you're a busy All guy. Right. You take care. We'll, we'll talk too, to you glad. next month. Okay, Fred? All right. Stay
3: strong, man. Thanks for everything you do.
1: Fred Redman, Secretary-Treasurer of the AFL-CIO. Do check out that uh, report I talked about that they put together about Trump's record aflcio.org and that'll be it for another edition of America's Workforce coming up on Monday the long and grueling job being an auto worker Senator Sherrod Brown will be joining us talking about manufacturing and we'll hear from the author of Wealth Supremacy until then all of you have a safe and wonderful weekend
0: that concludes another episode of the America's Workforce radio podcast thanks for listening And be sure to subscribe so you never miss a show. America's Workforce is a production of Labor Tools and BMA Media Group. Find out more information online at labortools.com.